0: So do I have your permission to go on a little rant about multitasking?
1: Oh, please. You have permission to go on a rant about whatever you want, but especially, especially multitasking. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, Instantly Actionable Small Business Strategies with a Pop Culture Spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the wise and hilarious Stephen Hyatt. Steve mastered the skills of accountability and productivity, coaching, technology strategy planning project management, and developing and implementing software solutions and systems while supporting the success of many large organizations, including, here we go. Texaco, American Family Insurance, Catalyst International, Wells Fargo, the United States Department of Defense, the FBI, American Express, U.S. Bank, the Mayo Clinic, Healthcare Services Corps, the College Board, United Health Group, First Tennessee Bank, Thrivent Financial Travelers Insurance, the United States Patent and Trademark Office, the Air Force, the Army, and the Center for Disease Control. So, you know, some pretty big hitters. In his 44 years of IT consulting, Steve has had many roles. Programmer, database administrator, database designer, project manager, director of project services, scrum master, program manager, data architect, business and system analyst, agile software development coach, and instructor. Working across all these different large organizations and in all these different roles was an amazing, sometimes astounding learning experience. But now his focus is on empowering motivated individuals, entrepreneurs, and small business owners to level up their business growth and impact with the same cutting edge accountability coaching, productivity principles, and tech savvy that helped his large organization clients grow and thrive. He greatly admires the many excellent qualities of entrepreneurs and believes that owning and running a successful small business is a powerful force for good in the world. And he enjoys working with and supporting people that he admires, as opposed to working with asshats. Steve Hyatt, you have the distinction of possibly delighting me the most with your suggested pop culture topic, and we will get there. But in the meantime. I have to ask you this question, which is what do small business owners need to focus on this week?
0: So Eddie, thanks for having me on. I'm I'm excited too and uh, looking forward to us geeking out on the Lord of the Rings a little bit further down the line. <laughs> small business owners need to focus on what are their blocks, you know, what is dragging them into procrastination. So that's that's my area of focus. Uh, Ooh. So I, I am the accountability wizard, and uh, one of the things that uh, led me to propose my shameless pitch to you on The Lord of the Rings, in addition to the fact that I love it, love it, love it, is <laughs> I actually have a picture of myself yeah. uh, dressed in a Gandalf costume on, on my business website. So my whole focus is productivity, times, energy, Uh, management and helping successful entrepreneurs who struggle in that particular area uh, kind of break through and get their shit done.
1: I love, love that term, energy management. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, and I think a lot of people, time management, and that's a pretty project management institute term. So they have the concept of time management, and I was a project manager for... Mm -hmm. For many years, project manager, scrum master, ran lots of big, big, medium, and small IT projects. And time management is one of the core disciplines. But I think the better term for that is time slash energy management. They're really very tightly coupled. It's, oh, 100%. It's like physicists. You, you won't hear a physicist say time or space. They always say space time. Right or time space? I can't remember which. Time
1: and space, <laughs> right. right? Or space time? Exactly. No, but that's so totally true because one of the main things when I teach sales and I and handling the objections of sales is a lot of people f- prep themselves for money objections or time objections, but they don't prep themselves for energetic objections, which to your point are just as important because an hour recording a podcast with you, for me, that takes a very specific kind of energy. It's really enjoyable for me. So it feels like energy spent, but not energy taxed. Right. But at the same point, an hour of doing my accounting, that same hour is going to feel nine times more taxing on me because it's energetically different for me. So it's not time management. That's the same hour. But the nature of that hour is so energetically different that I love that idea of energy management, because especially for small businesses, putting yourself out there and putting yourself out there consistently can be so raining, that if we're just looking at the time expended, we're missing so much. So I love, love this idea of energy management. I think that is so key. Why do you think we forget about energy so much?
0: Most people assume they just have a... Unlimited reservoir of energy, right? Or uh, up through whatever six o'clock. You know, they might recognize they start flagging a little bit. You know, your biorhythms might start going down a little bit. You know, in the early afternoon. I, I don't think they're aware that there's actually a a daily cycle that's runs about um, about an hour to ninety minutes where you're you're energy flow is going up and then it peaks and it goes down and there's about a 30 minute. uh, and this is pretty consistent. You know, it's, it's a human characteristic like a circadian rhythm. Again, I think most people just, they're not tracking on it because they make, they make the assumption that at least when they start in the morning, their, their energy bucket is full and it's not gonna, it's not gonna fade away at all until you know, they've used used most or a lot of it up at, at the end of the day, but that's not actually the case. It, it runs in a very short cycle. You know, the other thing, and you, you made an excellent point, which is an hour spent doing one thing, uh, something you really like and enjoy, it, it can be energizing, right? Uh, it, it's much less of a drain. For example, I really enjoy the actual fulfillment, the coaching. Right. So 95 percent of the time, if I'm on a call with one of my clients and we're we're having some success, uh, things are are going well and are, we're making progress or working through issues. That's actually energizing. Whereas uh, let me pick something out of my world that's not nearly as energizing. So content development, some of that I I really enjoy. In- enjoy but it's maybe not quite as energizing and then some of the mechanical stuff like um, all right say an active campaign going in and uh, entering in you know contacts you know I haven't got that flow fully automated yet and I need to gather up a lot of contacts from different email addresses so that's something that I've got blocked out in my calendar that I keep actually pushing over to the to the next day uh, because it's not as energetically satisfying.
1: Well, yeah. And we don't procrastinate the things we love to do. Yes. Right. So the things that we're moving to the next day, to the next day, to the next day, that's a pretty good indicator that that thing is an energetic drain on you. And And one thing I see all the time, a lot of people in my world are trading time for money right and that's fine that's their prerogative i traded time for money for a very very long time but i think for me one of the breakdowns was that i was flat rating my hourly rate not considering the energetic load of such a thing right so I was charging the same amount for calls that I would charge for copywriting, that I would charge for staff training, where energetically those are wholly different hours of my life. And so finally, I actually, even though I was worried about the clients getting a little confused, I had to stop and be like, this is my admin hour rate. This is my coaching hour rate. Right. And this is my writing hour rate. And they were like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because to them, they're like different tasks, different energy. But to me, I wasn't honoring my energy in that way. What do you think, what are some of the traps you've seen when it comes to this idea of of energy management, specifically for people like us who have clients that we see that we very easily could charge by the hour?
0: Well, I think one of the the areas where people fall down are if you flip it around one of the areas where it can really help you to home in on this and and more effectively recognize that energy management is at least as important as time management is when I do my daily time blocking. And uh, I mean, that's something I teach. And I've been using for a very mm-hmm. long time. I mean, it's, it's kind of an alien concept for some people or yes. <laughs> but it it's very useful but it more recently I've stepped back and said I, I'm gonna take into account that ninety to uh two hour up period in the 30 minute down and I actually block it out so I, I now block out uh typically two mm-hmm. two one hour work sessions right and if it's if it's something that's less energetic, uh, I might actually make it, I might not put it back to back with two things that are really energetically draining, right? So I, I take into account yeah, even, w- even when I'm stacking, all right, right, two, two work sessions and then one minimum 30 minute completely disconnect recharge session, whether that's Take a yes. take a power nap, Ugh. read a little bit in a novel, listen to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers.
1: Are you just naming all of my favorite things? Uh
0: yeah, you know,
1: I think I, I think we're gonna align on a lot of stuff.
0: I I love Tom.
1: I was gonna say, naps, novels, and Tom Petty, bring it on. Bring that on. I am a major napper. It's the Hobbit in me. Like if you put a soft surface near me, I will sleep. Yep. Yes, I will. But I do take a lot of naps. I take a whole lot of naps because my job is super energetically demanding. So I build in those buffers. Like you said, I love the kind of 60 on 30 off or 90 on 30 off mentality because you used this really great word before that I want to come back to, which is the idea of honoring your natural rhythm or honoring your work rhythm. And for me, that kind of sixty on thirty off is how I work. It's how I, how I've always functioned. Right? Go hard, take a nap. Go hard, take another nap. But I know, you know, if I'm on site at a client event or I'm working an expo or something, those are the days where I'm going to want to go home and hibernate for three days because they're out of my normal rhythm. So, what are some of the ways that we can a discover and b Honor and own our work rhythm?
0: Well, I think almost everybody, one, is recognized there is a cycle, there's a daily cycle. I think a lot of people, probably most people, naturally fall into that basic pattern that I already described, which is, you know, anywhere from 90 minutes to I can go two hours, typically, and still feel like I'm up, you know, taking into account that I don't want to do two hours of super draining stuff. But if one of those things, like say it's content development, uh, then uh, I'm rocking with that. I feel pretty good. So the next thing can be, you know, the next hour can be um, something that's maybe less appealing, more draining, but it's a high priority thing. I mean the other thing, but you know, there's there's variability. Just like there's a small number of people that truly only need five hours of sleep a night. God bless them. <laughs> Whoever they are. Uh
1: oh my God. Amazing people out there. If that's you, tell me your ways. Email the show and tell me your ways because I'm closer to like if I could sleep 15 hours, I would five, I feel like I would be dead.
0: So I any one night I can, you know. Five hours—it's not enough, but I'm not totally whacked. But if I if I go another night without enough sleep, I'm just shot. You know, I you know it's going to be a pretty crappy day.
1: Oh yeah, it's like I have these fabulous like once a year I'll have a really incredible like delightfully manic evening where I'll pull it all nighter and I'll get all this stuff done and I'll feel amazing. And then like four o'clock in the morning will come. Yep. And. I'll be like, cool, I did it. And then I'll wake up the next day and for the next two days, I'll be completely dead. Yeah. <laughs> Not honoring my energy management.
0: And when I first started out in IT many, many years ago as a programmer, uh, I could get into that mode, you know, the the flow state uh, in the zone and just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, d- actually uh, run a 24 hour, uh, you know, kind of crash out. Then for a little bit and then do it again. Now I, I discovered as I got older, you know, yeah. no, ma- no matter how, how engaged or drawn I am you know, at a certain point, it's like, okay, I'm done for the day. I, I actually have a little mini ritual. Uh, it's kind of like a shutdown in the evening where I go, you know, where, wherever time I'm wrapping up the, at the end of the day, around five or six, usually sometimes a little bit earlier. All right. I shut down my work email. Uh, Actually shut down my computer. Um, uh, I might bring it back up again if I want to watch, if we want to run a movie to the big screen TV in the back. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's like consciously say, all right, I am now stepping away from work. I'm mentally disengaged. Uh, and you know, the work day is now, now over.
1: Oh man, that's gorgeous. That separation, that space, I don't do that at all. And I really should, because one of the things that I see in my own business and also my clients talk about all the time is how hard it is to leave work during work times when you are a small business or even a one-person business, right? To let it kind of bleed or seep into your day. And I know I'm so guilty of that because I'll be watching reruns of The Nanny and checking my email at 11 o'clock at night. I need to stop doing that.
0: You do, because uh, it's you're not you're not at your most productive uh, in either thing. Your your attention is divided, and again, that's energetic. No. that's energetically draining, right?
1: Yes. Well, and I think you and I are of different generations. I feel like my generation was really sold a bill of goods in this idea of multitasking right? We were the first kids to grow up with like computers everywhere, even if they weren't in the homes, they were all over in schools, right? And the whole thing that we were taught is multitasking, you could be working in this Word document. And even here in this other window, you could be working on this other thing. And even though it was just like playing Oregon Trail and typing at the same time, that's what we were like prized to do. And it was like, you can get so much more done if you multitask. And so I feel like, you know the elder millennials and the gen xers of the world are like are are coming up or we've known this for a while but are really waking up to the idea of your point like when we are multitasking we're not really doing anything full ass we're sort of half assing all of the myriad things that we're doing and i think that makes so much sense because to us it feels noble because it feels productive but really it's not that productive
0: So do I have your permission to go on a little rant about multitasking?
1: Oh, please. You have permission to go on a rant about whatever you want, but especially, especially multitasking.
0: So the actual concept is bullshit. So, I mean, I know what people mean when they say it, but neurologically, the human mind can only do one thing at a time, at a given instant. So if you're doing what you call, and and there's lots of research around this. I mean, I originally got my degree in psychology again many years ago, but then I keep up with the literature. And the reality is whatever slice of time you've got, so you're working on an email for 10 seconds, right? That's all you're actually doing. That's all, mm-hmm. you know, the human mind can't hold. Yeah two conscious things in mind at the same time. So you're working an email for 10 seconds and you've got uh, a Word document up that you're working on. You're still doing one thing at a time in very small slices. And it's extremely unproductive because there's a ramp up time whenever you switch gears. So you've got the thread in the email, right? Boom, 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 boom. If you don't get that finished up, hit send. Hop over and do something else, then you've got to climb the learning curve, you know, get re-engaged back to where you were before uh before you can even pick up again. so it's 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 very unproductive,
1: yeah, it's chunky, it's chaotic, right it's it's you're right, your energy's all over the map, you're bouncing here and you're bouncing there. and one thing I notice when I multitask. And this may be because I also smoke a large amount of marijuana, but I notice when I multitask I forget that I already did things, uh, yeah, you lose like you, I yeah. will straight up forget like, did I send that email? I don't remember if I sold that that email. Yeah, I sent that email. I just wasn't paying full attention because there's holes in my brain and I'm also not paying full attention. Right. So I think that we're not doing ourselves any favor in terms of getting our to-do list done if we're not doing those tasks with presence of mind. Yes. Oh man. All right. No more multitasking, everybody. And
0: that goes back to, you know, the time blocking your calendar uh, and I'm, I'm pretty serious about it and, and trying to stick to my calendar. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously shit happens. Stuff comes up, you know, somebody calls, you've got to deal with something, but yeah, that just means I shift things around, right? you know, I, so maybe I push something down 30 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. But when I'm on a particular task, one, I set my, here's my little, here's a, my little egg timer. Okay, so all right, oh, hey. hey. So I just started. Uh, I mean, I forgot to set it for us, but I, I know you're going to call time. So
1: I will. Don't worry.
0: I, I set it at 55 because I actually like to take a five minute break. Stand up, walk around, go get some water, uh, kind of clear my head even before I slide slide, yeah. slide into the next thing. So, uh, and things like email those uh, or even working Facebook or LinkedIn, I have particular times blocked out to do that. I, I don't just hop into my email and check it, right? It's, I mean, today I was, because uh, I was watching for uh, the link to connect with you. So I, I broke my rule a little mm-hmm. bit. But if you block it out, like you're going to work emails. All right, work emails for an hour, right? And that's all you're doing you're not mm-hmm. you're not quote multitasking and uh, setting that timer that means I don't even you know if I really get in the flow, I'm just rocking along I'm not lo- I'm not being distracted by looking at my watch or uh, looking at the clock down the bottom right hand side of the computer because mm-hmm. I know it's going to ding at me when time's up
1: yeah I mean and that's the thing is flow psychology nerd to psychology degreed person, flow I don't think is possible if you're multitasking because you're not staying in that energy long enough to get there. Correct. So I feel like if you said the word multitasking to Dr. and Mihai, he would probably cry. Like, that's not advantageous to a flow state. And for people that don't necessarily experience flow that often, you know, at least they can get that feeling of that peak creative engagement or that peak energy usage where you're really doing stuff beautifully and efficiently and it's humming right along. And Of course, now that we're talking about it, of course, I can't get into flow if I'm bopping over here and I'm bopping over there and I'm bopping over here and I'm doing this and I'm being reactive because reactionary living or reactionary work is the enemy of flow. So yeah, we can't, we just can't do it. So that's wild. And also y'all, if y'all haven't read flow, I highly, 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 highly recommend it.
0: Yep. Excellent book. Oh yeah, so real quick, another We were talking about flow. B- well, another book that uh on a similar subject, uh Cal Newport's Deep Work, if if you haven't read that, uh it's very good. But he t- Yes,
1: I love Cal Newport. Yay.
0: So he makes the point. I mean, obviously I can't do him full justice, uh, you know, just off the top of my head. But one of the one of the points he makes, and he is similar to what you said, which is Especially more recent generations, they've been trained to be distracted. Yeah. Right. It's that's just the way things are. You know, you're yes. wa- you're walking yes. down the street working your cell phone, or you know, you're every five minutes you jump in your emails. Yeah. Um, but that's not the only yeah. way to think and live. And if if you take the idea of you know, let me, and he actually draws a distinction between deep work and shallow work, right? So deep work is where you're engaging your mm-hmm. most uh, creative, critical, analytical self. And that needs to be done in, a, in solid, yeah. solid chunks, like an hour. I mean, you can't really get into the deep work in 10 minutes, right? And then again, I mean, the same principle, That's what you're right.
1: You can't jump a chasm in two small bursts. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, And that's what you do. All right. So, you know, for the next hour, I'm going to focus completely on the content development for say my, my free gift that I'm working on. Right. Or I'm going to focus completely on this blog post that, that, um, and that doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to finish it, but I'm going to get a solid hour in and get to a good stopping point and even maybe leave a little note to myself about stopped here. Here's the next thought. And then that also frees you up energetically because you're closing the loop. You're, you're not trying to carry around in your mind. Where did I get to? What's my next step with that? You've, you know, you've freed it up and you know, there's a time block you know tomorrow to pick it back up again.
1: Yep, And it gets you out of that. One more thing. Oh, just one more thing mentality, which is how we violate those boundaries, which is how it bleeds into everything. Right. So I love the idea of coming up with a stopping point in advance that you're like, this will feel cohesive with the rest of my day. This will feel productive. This can be siloed. I can put this away knowing it's okay because otherwise you'll do what I do, which is be like, oh, well, let me just send one more email or make one more image or, oh, wait, I forgot to do this other thing. I should go do that. And then then my day that should have stopped at five that I had all the intentions of stopping at five is stopping at 11 because I'm one more thing, one more thing, one more thing.
0: So like hacks on- so I love
1: that idea of, of predetermining.
0: Like Hacksaw Ridge.
1: One more, God. Let me help. One more. One more. One more. Yeah. No. No. One more. No. One more at all. Um. Before we fully transition into our Gandalf and Pippin variety hour, uh, I want to ask you, Mister Accountability Wizard, what does accountability provide? When we are trying to formalize things like time blocking or not multitasking or just getting stuff done in general, what do you think people sleep on when it comes to the power of accountability?
0: Well, I think everybody could benefit from a coach in some domain of their life. You know, the most successful people in the world have or have had coaches and mentors and for example Mm -hmm. professional athletes every top professional athlete in the world has one or more coaches so the 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 thing it it really brings for you is it's like having a running buddy in some ways it's accountability oh you get up in the morning Oh hell! Screw it! I don't feel like running day. Well, okay, I'm gonna embarrass myself, or you know, I'll be letting uh, my buddy Bob down if I don't get out there and join him. So, it, kind of at the the lo- yeah. the lowest level, it is having someone that knows, you know, what you're working on, what you you want to accomplish. And you've made some level of commitment to them that you're actually going to do it. I run a daily accountability group with a a a group of folks that we're all, you know, uh, entrepreneurs. We're working in entirely different areas. A couple of us are coaches, but again, different things. It serves us all well. I mean, it it helps me. I mean, I facilitate it, but I also actively participate. Like I might say okay, I I have this goal. By the end of the day mm-hmm. today, I'm going to get this thing done. So you guys, tomorrow morning, when we get on the call, you guys ask me, like mm-hmm. a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. I did it with my weight work because I'm trying to get back and to be more consistent with doing a little, a little weight work, 20, 30 minutes, two or three times a week. And I'm having a little bit of a hard time getting that fully instantiated mm-hmm. as a habit. So I just said, all right, I commit to doing my weight work. You guys asked me tomorrow, and sure enough, two o'clock came around. I was going, yeah. "Oh man, I don't. <laughs> I'd really like to blow this off." But then I thought, "Okay, I'm going to get on the call. They're going to ask me, and I'm going to have to confess. You know, I'm going to look. I'm going to look like a whiny little bitch or you know, a weenie. No, I didn't do it because you know, <laughs> you know the dog ate my, my homework. The sun got in my eyes. I didn't feel good."
1: dog ate my homework. We have enough like those those excuses happen so easily. We don't need to give ourselves more opportunity to lean into them. And you're right. Like having somebody else's eyes on your progress really does help for all those reasons you mentioned. There is that little bit of public embarrassment or public consequence at least, but also there's that joint celebration of when you do something that you said you were going to do, then the other person can celebrate with you. And to the running example you gave before, yeah, you don't want to let Bob down, but if you go on your run, Bob's going to set the pace and you'll probably not only wind up running at all, you'll wind up running faster than you would have before because Bob knows that you can handle that pace, right? So I think that is really key for me, is that if I'm being accountable to someone or if I'm co-working with someone, I'm living off the energy of that group, whether or not I'm physically present with them or mentally present with them, because I'm going, well, they know. And so I got to get this done. It lights that fire under my butt. It lights the beacons, the beacons of productivity.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to find an image that's got beacons on it. Uh, I don't think I'll use the eye of Sauron.
1: Oh my god. But no, you know what though, like I think that I think this is a really perfect transition into Lord of the Rings because for anybody who's seen it and, and seen Return of the King specifically, there are so many times going up Mount Doom that Frodo could have just taken a nap. And yet, even Gollum, even Smeagol is super valuable because he's like, come on, hobbits! Let's go, hobbits! Like, even if he has his own agenda, he's like, chippity-chop, let's go! Come on, up the mountain, up the stairs! Shelob is waiting! But even then, it's like, come on, let's go, let's go! And then, when when Frodo is incapacitated and he comes back out of it, Sam's like, okay, we're okay, regroup, here we go, back on task! And so it's, I argue every small business Frodo needs at least one Sam. Everybody in their life needs at least one actual proper Sam. But in terms of productivity, Samwise Gamgee gets shit done.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, and that's one of the, I think I mentioned it in my shameless uh, pitch letter to you, that <laughs> one of the takeaways from The Lord of Rings is everybody needs a companion on their journey, right? Someone to support and yes. ass- and, oh ass- my God, yes. and assist them. So, uh, a good accountability coach they they are that companion, and there are probably not that many people uh, in most, at least for most people's lives, that have a a deep interest, uh, curiosity about what you're working on, and a stake in your success. They. Yeah. You know, and can hold a vision. Maybe let's say the vision of your higher self. You know, one of the things I do when I'm talking to clients is get a good feel for obviously where they are, but where where are they going? Where they see themselves? You know, in a year, people can forget that. Like, I mean, to cycle back to Lord of the Rings, like Frodo had this big mission, but uh, he started flagging. I mean, and he just basically. Forgot it, right? It it went out of his head because he was Yeah so miserable. But Sam kept holding the vision for him.
1: Yep. Because they had to figure it out together. The learning curve was steep. That's the thing is like Fredo's like, I don't know the way. Sam's like, I don't know the way either, but we're gonna figure it out. Here we go. And I think that's so gorgeous and telling because I'm so lucky to have very dear friends who have been my loved ones and my family and my friends for over a decade. And so by all rights, logically, they should have a really good understanding of what it's like for me to run my own business, except for the fact that ain't none of them self-employed. Yep. So they don't. Even though they think they get it, they don't get it. They don't know. My own husband, who I love dearly, the married to my Pippin, has no clue the nature of my day when it comes to energetic management because that's not his world. So having people that understand what you bear Right, having people that understand how what you're doing is challenging or demanding, having people especially that have walked the path before—if you could find an accountability buddy who has done something either before or is willing to learn it with you—is right. so incredible because then you don't want to just stay in Rivendell forever and go to sleep, which is what I would do. Like the second I got to Rivendell, I would have just stopped. I would have been <laughs> like, "Oh, we're done. They're vegan, but I can get used to that." Like da da da. Right, but but certainly when it comes to the hard stuff of like, hey, by the way, this journey is going to take three years, and we're probably going to die like a thousand times, and we're habits. so we don't have shoes, so our feet are really going to hurt. I'd be like, nope, uh-uh, staying with the elves, bye. But I can't because I'm accountable, and ain't nobody in the fellowship multitasks. Yes, nobody multitasks. The only person that multitasks in all of the Lord of the Rings is Boromir, who tries to fight and protect the hobbits at the same time. And guess what happens? He dies.
0: Yeah, that didn't turn out very well for him, did it?
1: Multitasking equals death in Tolkien Land.
0: The other the flip side of that is that accountability support person can celebrate with you. And again, Yes. They can celebrate more because they really know more. If you get some big challenging thing done uh and share it with them, they can genuinely, you know, feel the you know, feel the joy, the happiness, is great, and, you know, give you the positive feedback mm-hmm. you deserve. Cause a lot of people are very self critical. So they track more on Yeah. On, okay, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, <sighs> I'm I'm not this good at this other thing, but they don't really recognize, you know, even on a daily basis how much they actually got accomplished and they don't give themselves enough credit when they do accomplish something. So that's something else uh, that, uh, you know, an accountability coach can help you with is help you to celebrate, remind you, Hey, that's a great thing. You know, that was a shit pot full of work. I I know how hard it was and you, you got her done. Good work. (laughs)
1: You know, and that's why I start all of my group calls with my clients and students with celebrations so that we can all share in that, but also so that they remember the progress we made. Because to your point, it's really easy to turn the volume down on what we accomplish and turn the volume up on our perceived missteps. That's just natural. That's just human nature. But when we're celebrating and we're accountable to our celebrations, then it becomes a family affair. I love that.
0: I also do uh, on my Friday calendar. I have a recurring weekly review and mm-hmm. ce- celebration. Just a reminder. Let me stop, pause, good, and go ahead and kind of consolidate from all my daily stuff. What all did I get done uh, this week? And you know what did I learn? Because I mean. Maybe not everything was a a win. I might have made some mistakes. Something didn't work out the way I expected, but there's still something to learn from it. Now that that came out of as a project manager having to do weekly status reports for like the last forty years, (laughs) so I got in the habit of doing that. Oh
1: yeah.
0: Although I didn't, yeah, yeah, I didn't
1: call. I don't miss that from corporate life.
0: Yeah, I didn't call it a celebration, but but now when I'm doing it, yeah, I am celebrating. Hey, I got this thing done. Hey, I. I got on a you know a great podcast with Annie. It was great. You know, uh, I got this done. I got this other content done. Um, and it's just a reminder. Here's everything I, get, I did right. Here's everything I got done. And for the maybe hopefully one or two things that didn't work out quite as I expected, here's the lesson I learned from it.
1: I feel like otherwise Frodo could have walked away from Mount Doom mourning the loss of half of his finger right? It's not perfect. Right, The but, ring got destroyed, but he lost a half a finger, well, right? And so he, he could have just been like, I can't believe I lost my finger. But everyone around him is going to be like, Frodo, the ring. Or or, in both Isildur's case and Frodo's case, there is like a moment where to Elrond or Sam respectively, I'm like, just chuck him in, boo. Get it done. Whole body into the fire. Go. Right, just right. chuck him. door, sorry, you had your chance. Go. Would have changed it. But it does at least say, like, look, let's look at what you accomplished here and not just the nature of every single little step it took to get there. Let's let's look on the big picture a little bit about how all of these forces come together. I love that. Oh, the thing I was going to tell you before that I think is really funny about group celebration, there's a really beautiful scene, and I think it's a really interesting choice by Elijah Wood, and someday I hope to ask him about this. But at the end, in one of, like, the first nine endings of Return of the King's 57 endings, uh, Frodo's back in Rivendell, he's in bed, he wakes up from his weird coma, and everybody comes into the room, and he announces who they are as they come in the room by like mouthing it. So you watch him go Gandalf! Gimli! Watch. When Legolas enters the room, Frodo doesn't know what to say. Frodo has forgotten Legolas's name. You! Hey, buddy! Because if you think about it, they were only together for like a week. Right, right. Hey! Hey, you elf guy hey right but I love this idea of celebration because even so like everybody can get in maybe your accountability buddy's other accountability buddy did something great guess what you're in on that even if they don't know your name is Legolas it's okay you're still part of it right but I, I gotta ask Elijah someday like what's up with that because it's very clear he very clear is like Gimli and then Legolas walks in and he's like Ah, <laughs> I love it. Well, but, but that celebration—it is infectious, and and entrepreneurship is hard enough with a family. I can't imagine trying to do it all alone. Ugh.
0: So, so while I'm thinking about it. One of the things I did when I rewatched, so the eleven hours—you know—we talked about it before we got on the extended, deluxe edition, of course, of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. So I was watching Far things that maybe i hadn't noticed uh before or didn't really impact me so one of the things that and i laughed at loud when i saw it uh, i think it's yeah it's in the second movie uh where aragon asks orlando bloom uh legolas uh what do you see with your elf eyes and he he peers out of the rise and he says they're taking the hobbits to isengard oh my god So uh, there's this really, really funny video. They're taking the hobbits to Isengard. They're taking the hobbits to Isengard.
1: The hobbits to Isengard. Guard, 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 guard. They're taking the hobbits to Isengard. My favorite part of that is, tell me where is Gandalf, for I much desire to speak with him. Tell me where is Gandalf, for I much desire to speak with him. I love that video. I love it dearly.
0: Well, did you see the one uh, where Orlando Bloom does a uh, a riff on it? He's playing it, and then he's... Yes. On the subject of parodies, real quick, just you probably... Oh, my God,
1: didn't... I love that, though, because if you can't have fun with your own brand... Right, right. No, go ahead.
0: Jack Black did a really funny, pretty naughty parody of uh, Lord of the Rings also. You might want to go take a look at that. It, it's nasty, so you wouldn't want your kids watching over your shoulder.
1: Did you see Stephen Colbert's... The Stephen Colbert Hobbit rap where he got all the Hobbits to come back. I just love it. I love that the four of them are still close friends in real life. I love that Dominic Monaghan and Billy Boyd are best friends. Like that just makes me extremely happy because that's the other thing is when you work with someone, when you rely on someone, when you lean on someone, that galvanizes that relationship. So if there's someone in your industry Or someone in your world, your your ecosystem of business that you want to connect with on a deeper level, be accountable to them and have them be accountable to you. It bonds you. I just, I, I love that. And that line specifically, what do your elf eyes see, I think is arguably the most redundant piece of copywriting ever. Because he could just say, Legolas, what do you see? But instead, he says, what do you see with your eyes? And specifically, what do you see with your elf eyes? We know he's an elf. We know he has eyes, Aragorn. Why can't he just say, what do you see? But, you know, sometimes people want to overcomplicate things.
0: I was thinking, you know, is he reminding us that he's an elf and he has superior vision? You know, maybe that's... Oh, guess. So the other line that really hit hit me was, uh, well, boys, it looks like we have... Meat it looks like Meat's on the menu after all.
1: Meat's back on the menu Yeah. Oh man.
0: I'm pretty sure Token. The unsung
1: heroes. Oh, no. Oh, absolutely not. But the unsung heroes of the whole thing are the actors who play the orcs and the uruk are so good, and I feel like they never get any of the uh, any of that love. But the meat's back on the menu, boys, guy. There's one guy, we call him Lumpy because he, like, lumps down the stairs. We love Lumpy. Lumpy is a hero in our little Lord of the Rings family because he's just so distinct and he's doing such a good job and just lumping along, right? Lumpy's got his own shape. He might not be the fastest, but he's going to try to kill somebody today. Dang it. And and I love that. Another interesting thing about accountability, and, and I'm biased on this because I am very Pippin to the core, but I think a great lesson for accountability and pacing and blocking your day is the Council of Ents with Pippin and Merry, because Treebeard is taking his time. Home. And meanwhile, they're like, Isengard is right there, guys. Come on. So Pippin and Mary are like, pick up the pace, pick up the pace. And meanwhile, the ants are like, let's have long discussions. And I feel like we can all get stuck there. We can all get stuck in that over-processing, taking too much time thing, which is when, back to the Bob and running example, Bob could be like, Steve, You're faster than this. Pick up the freaking pace, please. I'm bored. What's going on? Similarly, Pippin and Mary could be like, Treebeard, you're about to be on fire. Come on. Come on.
0: Let's don't be hasty.
1: Don't be hasty. And also, if a hobbit who is perma-stoned is going to tell you to hurry up, you should probably listen. Right. You should probably pay attention. If the stoner is telling you to hurry up, then hurry it up. What else, Steve? What haven't I asked you about this joint love of ours with Lord of the Rings, with accountability, with timing, with energy management? What, what haven't I asked you yet?
0: Well, we haven't told everybody that you really want to get the uh, extended edition, because in addition to the actual movies, there's... Oh God! Yes, huge amount of outtakes, the making of. I mean, a lot of the unsung heroes mm-hmm. that you talked about. You get to see them, uh, you know, behind the camera. So you you actually get a greater appreciation of one how yes how friggin' hard it was, and
1: yes, and
0: an understanding of what all it took to film especially some of the epic set piece scenes like the battle at helms deep i mean man that is just astounding
1: but also just you get to see and i think this speaking of peter jackson Uh, This year, Peter Jackson's big Beatles documentary came out. And one of the things that people really loved about it was getting to see the fact that the Beatles, first and foremost, were friends. They cared about each other. There's this really great scene where Ringo is writing Octopus's Garden and George is helping him. Right. Like they were friends, first and foremost. One of the things I love seeing about. The fellowship actors, especially, is how much they love and care for each other and how much the entire production team came together as a family. And there's this really amazing scene on the extended editions where the people of New Zealand do a haka on the last day of filming, which was the last day of filming for Aragorn and for Theoden. And so they did this presentation of kings and it's gorgeous. It's just absolutely so feel good. It's like Rivendell gorgeousness just all over, right? So find your people, love your people. And also, I think there's something there from a business aspect of let us see what's happening behind the curtain. If you're not showing us who you are, and if you're not showing us what's important to you, that's a missed opportunity. You don't have to open a vein, but maybe put out some special features, maybe put out an extended edition.
0: Well, there's something particularly I wanted to ask you, which, which is... So, the context is, you know, I dress up in a Gandalf costume for one picture for my website, the Accountability Wizard. I'm enjoying uh, kind of exercising yeah. my sense of humor uh, because. I didn't always get to do it that much. Yeah. Like, when my in the corporate world, like the FBI, for example, doesn't have a really. Inter- oh,
1: being a corporate project manager wasn't. Yeah, I was going to say they don't have a sense of humor. What? Uh, Imagine that.
0: I mean, you know, the DoD, CDC, even you know, commercial, uh, American Express, Texaco, nope, Travelers, no, <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Uh, but it's actually a natural part of me, so. You know, it feels fine for me as long as you're not faking it. You're not like going over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I was interested yeah. in getting your thought. I mean, you're outgo- right. You're outgoing. You're animated. You, do you do you? I guess tap it down sometimes, or do you ever get negative feedback about you know being your authentic I self? I
1: did. I do get negative feedback about it now, but the people that I get it from now are not the people that I'm trying to impact anyway. So that makes it a little bit easier. I saw a really great quote. I don't know who said it, but I saw a really great quote this week that said, the problem with conforming is that everybody likes you except you. (laughs) Right. And I think that's, entirely true. Because when we're trying to blend in, we're trying to fit the mold, the mold is safe, but the mold is not memorable. And when it comes to branding, I think you're totally right. I think if you were not a naturally nerdy, Grumpy, like, what did you call yourself in the first email you sent to me? A geezer. Like, that's fantastic. That geezer energy being part of your brand is a beautiful thing. My loud, enthusiastic muppetness is my thing. I want people to know how excited I am to be in their presence. So, I'm going to show them that. Right. But is that enthusiasm too much for some people? Sure. Do I get pushback on that sometimes? Sure. But it's authentic to me. So it's okay. If I were putting that on and got the feedback on it, I would feel even more disingenuous. Right. And so I think finding an element of your personality that is pure which for me is this kind of unbridled enthusiasm, that's what I got to lead with. Maybe I don't have to lead with the flailing. Maybe I don't have to lead with my great big Muppet eyes and screaming and swearing and doing everything else. But what I have to carry, because it's the core of who I am, is that enthusiasm forward. But yeah, it it's, it definitely is polarizing, but I think polarizing is good.
0: Well, you're always being judged, right I and mean, people are always judging you, hey, I don't like the cut of his jib, I don't like the way he parts his hair, or I like the I like the cut of his jib yeah uh so since you're always being judged I like his hair yeah, right, since you're always being judged anyway, uh you know you may as well mm-hmm. show up as yourself, be authentic, and uh the people that yes. are your natural yes. audience. Uh, your potential customers uh, that would be a good fit, then they're going to find you. And then the people who are turned off yeah. by you, they're not a good fit. I I started working on a welcome video for my homepage, and I kind I I put it on hold because. But anyway, I was part. I was saying so. You maybe we wonder why I'm dressed up in a Gandalf costume. So I kind of explain it, <laughs> uh, and then I I say, you know, that some people might really like that. And other people possibly might think it's silly and unprofessional. uh, But, you know, I'm really not interested in working with someone if they have a stick up their butt. But I decided not necessarily to. go. Yeah,
1: no. And also it helps you find people like me. (laughs) Right. Who are you send, you know, yes. you sent me a proposal. I get tons of proposals. I saw your proposal and I was like, well, that's an automatic yes on nine different fronts. If you had played it safe in that email, I wouldn't have been able to have that so strong whole body yes. All right, Steve, I got two more questions for you. And then I gotta release you back to your beautiful day because I promise you I wouldn't take more time than my time block. Number one, you are in Rivendell. And Galadriel is giving out gifts. Galadriel is going to give you something for your own quest. What present do you ask of her and what does she actually give you?
0: So I would ask for a pair of far-seeing glasses that is at least as good as Legolas's actual vision.
1: I think that's a great plan. Would she give it to you or would she give you something else?
0: So I I think she would give it to me because I I can be a charming, persuasive guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just love when Sam's like, do you have any of those pointy things? (laughs) Can I have a pointy thing? My other question is, if we need your Gandalf present in our life, which as a Pippin, like if we didn't have a Gandalf, we would basically die. So... What is the best way for our listeners to get in on your Gandalf energy and start a relationship with you?
0: So uh, my website is theaccountabilitywizard.com and I uh, have blog posts and I'm continuing to add more content there. Things I think would be useful to to folks that struggle with productivity and time management and time slash energy management. Uh, and then there's, uh, if you want you, uh, wanted to actually schedule a call with me. And I think I sent you my link to Calendly, which is my, uh, calendar scheduling. So it's, it's basically free call where you just get on and, uh, I provide a, it, it's a free coaching session with a focus on, uh, getting a good feel. Are you, a good fit for me? And am I a good fit for you? So, contrary to what some people think, you don't want everybody as a customer or client. There, if it's not a good fit, uh, you know, I, if I don't think—oh,
1: I'm going to have to have you back for a whole nother conversation about that.
0: Uh, there's a lot to talk about in that particular area, uh, but yes, um, then <laughs> uh, feel feel free to schedule us a call. We can hop on. It's like a 45-minute Zoom call. Uh, can meet virtually face to face and just uh, talk about, you know, what your challenges are. Get more details about how I approach coaching, because I, I think that's something else that's very important. You need to find a coach that's a good fit for you, right? And there, there are lots of coaches out there, and, and heck
1: yeah, you need your proper Sam,
0: right? Yeah you know, and there's there's horses for courses. So certain
1: well I mean if we're using wizards like how Saruman coaches, how Gandalf coaches and how Radagast the Brown coaches are very different and yeah. they're all wizards. You got to find the wizard that's, that's right going to propel you. you.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Steve Oh, thank you so much for being in my fellowship. Thank you for being here today Uh, to use one last line. I'm so glad to be here with you here at the end of this podcast. It's just been a delight. Please don't be a stranger. I just loved being with you.
0: I won't say don't cry because uh, not all tears are evil. I'll cry. Did I get that right? Uh, That's close.
1: Not all tears are evil. That's so true. That's very true. It's close enough for us, right? Everybody else, I will be back in just a second with my final thought and your homework for the week, which doesn't even involve any bodily harm or chucking anything into lava. Well, hey there, listeners. So full disclosure here. I am biased, and this homework is going to be sappy. My favorite holiday of the year is our annual Lord of the Rings Marathon. So far, I have done 11 consecutive, and they are always hosted by my beloved Eric, Jamie, and Wesley Prawl. Hi guys. I look forward to marathon all year. I go craft crazy. Gifts for everybody. This year it was Tupperware and platters. I plan my outfits months in advance. Outfits plural. Matching sweaters for my husband were the winner this year. I perfect new soup recipes. The things I can do with mushrooms in an Pot, I can't even tell you. It is my Halloween, Christmas, Easter, and New Year's all in one day. But by the end of the 14-some-hour extended edition Hobbit drama and battle scenes, the crew that gathered together so chipper and well-rested in the morning is now puppy-piled, like sort of on the floor, sort of on the sofa, covered in baked good crumbs and weird plastic skulls, abs sore from the birth of many new inside jokes. But, All that being said, it wasn't until I actually talked to Steve about this that I realized, duh, the true value of Marathon is right there in the title. It's about fellowship. It's about kindred spirits coming together to honor each other's presence through the lens of mutual fandom. It's actually a festival of love languages and carbohydrates and validation. It's proof that we belong. So your homework this week is dealer's choice, the habit or Lord of the Rings, if you will. And if not, just do your homework anyway. If you do not yet have a work family fellowship of your own, your homework is to open yourself up to the idea of companionship. It's scary. We solopreneurs can be especially prone to lone wolf behavior. But I ask you, what would change for you if you let someone in? If you were accountable to them, if they could walk your path with you from time to time. And remember, I'm not talking about friendships here. I'm talking about people who are striving how you strive with goals and ambitions the size of your own. If you already have a work fellowship, then your homework is to bring them together Connect them to each other. Have a Zoom party or a Voxer chat group. Get introductions flowing. When one bond strengthens, the whole group becomes more fortified. And then, for the love of all that hobbits hold dear, don't forget to thank your fellowship for having your back. Remember, a whole lot of people really are going this alone. So I'll start. To my marathon mates, thank you. Your Pippin loves you endlessly. Hey, thanks for listening. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the non Sleazy Sales Academy. And me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. Listen, we talk a lot about marketing on this show, and that's because I fully, earnestly believe that every dime and every moment we spend marketing is totally worth it, unless we turn around and sabotage ourselves at the finish by refusing to sell and sell beautifully. Why? A lot of us have a misconception of what selling actually requires of us or who it needs us to be. Please give me the opportunity to help change your mind at www.nonsleazy.com. That's n-o-n-s-l-e-a-z-y.com. Big shout out to the fabulous dudes who helped make this show what it is. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypeable Impact. My composer, Riley Herbastio, And my show artist, Francois Vigno. They're all fabulous and I'd be glad to introduce you. Until next week, just do your best, and remember, you're too legitimate to quit.